of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. I'm your host, Matt Spectro, and you've reached a podcast talking comic book animation. Every week we talk something from the world of animation based on comic books. You should know by now, I'm not going to go over the rules as much as I used to, but every week it's me and a guest, and every week we have fun. Uh, we're not going to hold back. We're not going to wait without further ado. I'm bringing out my guest. Hasn't been here in quite some time. Actually, his first appearance. In 2023, welcome back to the multiverse, my buddy Brian. I would hope it's my first appearance of 2023. We're only like three weeks in, not even two weeks in. Well, that's pretty exciting. You haven't been here in quite a while. Last time you were here, we talked Daredevil. Daredevil, yes, we did. That was a well, Daredevil and Spider Man, right? If I remember, yeah, it was a Spider Man cartoon, but Daredevil was the main focus of right. our episode. Good times. But this week, we're going to not only talk your. F- well, I would say, I, I think, is your favorite superhero. It was for a time. I assume yeah. it still is. I mean, he's the greatest superhero ever invented, right? Okay. Ever created? <laughs> invented? Created? <laughs> he is the one who started all some, like you said, the greatest of all time. The one, the only, the man of steel, Superman. Hell yeah. So you would say that still, even though you're not as much of a comic fan as you used to be, still your all-time favorite superhero? Yeah, I mean, he, I, he epitomizes everything that... When you think superhero in your head, like I would assume Superman would be the guy that most people picture or think of, or at least like his powers and stuff that he has, like that's what people think of when they think of superheroes. Well, there's no doubt that uh, the superhero genre would not be the same without him, nor would, some would argue, it might not even have had the long-lasting popularity that it has to this day. He's still my, he's not my favorite hero, but he is my all-time favorite DC superhero. Hell yeah, way better than Batman. I agree. I actually, I don't dislike Batman, but I, I actually like Superman better than we, Batman. We, we've discussed the whole Batman thing. He's great if he just stayed by himself in his own little world. He's just a regular dude. Once you put him in there with the, like super-powered heroes and stuff, like to me, it doesn't make any sense, but all the Batman people are going to come out of the woodworks for this. hate to use this term, but uh, Batman really had the original... Toxic fandom, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Every Batman uh, fanatic goes nuts whenever you uh, criticize him in any way, shape, or form. And I think I, I don't think I ever would have started to dislike Batman. Not that I dislike him, but I, I would have never had any issues with him if the whole late 90s, early 2000s, Batman can beat anyone with the proper preparation. <laughs> That's what started it all. Uh, yeah, and then the way that they write him in the comics, the fact that he technically has officially defeated Superman like three times in the comic books is just ludicrous to me. But we're not here to talk the Dark Knight. We're here to talk the Man of Steel. Only been the focus of uh, really two episodes prior to this. The very first episode of the Multiverse, we talked to Fleischer, 1941 cartoon. And then uh, last year we had talked to Ruby Spears, late 80s Superman cartoon. I did another one on the uh, the animated series in the 90s, but that was more of a Flash episode than a Superman episode. I was never... So other than like Super Friends, I never really watched too many of the Superman cartoons like growing up. Just the Super Friends? Well, you like, probably were a little older by the time the new adventure... The Superman, the Ruby Spears series came out. Yeah, well, yeah what year would that one come out? Uh, I believe that was... Uh, I want to say 88, I believe, is when it came well, out. Well, I mean, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't have been that old. I would, like, nine. Yeah, you were still a kid, so you probably could have still watched it. I may have seen some of it. I just, like, it's not in my memory banks, really, of anything really standing out or watching it. Well, we're going to start the very beginning. Superman, you should all know, but if you don't know, created by Jerry Seigel and Joe Schuster. Action Comics 1, back in 1938. Some argue... The very first superhero. Did you uh, buy that when it came out? <laughs> uh, we got another comedian here. <laughs> well, we were just talking about how we had to turn like four lights on in my living room so you could read your notes. Uh, I just assumed, you know, looking through your bifocals over there, you'd be able to 
read the Superman comic book that you bought when you were a child. Trust me, if uh, I had a copy of uh, Action Comics number one, this uh, this podcast would be a lot more high tech and smooth than it is. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And you might hear a third guess. Uh, my son Axel, a big Superman fan, he's uh, in the background offering his input as well. Yes, he is. He's playing with uh, some fun Batman and uh, DC-related toys over there. Now, some people argue uh, the Phantom, Mandrake the Magician, a few other characters ex- pre-existed Superman that would be considered the first superhero. I mean, technically, most of those didn't really have superpowers. He was really the first of his kind uh, and really started the superhero boom of the late 30s, 1940s. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, yeah, the Phantom and the comic strips and everything else. But Superman is, he's the man. Like, he's the Superman. He's, hes again, and it's probably because he goes so far back, but he is what I think of when I think of superheroes. Yeah, and he's uh, arguably the most famous superhero. I mean, I would say Spider-Man and Batman, you know, definitely in competition. But he's one of, if not the first superhero everyone thinks of when they hear the term superhero. Even, even though he hasn't really been done properly in a very long time and the, the, the way that society is and the way people write things now they have a lot of issues doing things with superman but still his popularity is there his his character is there i really really wish somebody could do him justice yeah he's had multiple radio shows movies television shows serials cartoons so there's no denying he has a tv show right now superman and lois that's going on and Supposedly, uh, James Gunn is writing the script for a new Superman movie as well. Yeah, that's a touchy subject for me right now. I was so excited to see uh, Henry Cavill back as Superman. Heartbroken, heartbroken. Just they were like, "Nope." All right, okay, cool. They gave him for two months and then <laughs> took him away from us, just like that. Bastards. The golden age of comics. Everybody at that point was trying to be the next Superman. There are so many characters, superheroes that were created in the next five years just because of Superman trying to get his popularity. He had the first animated superhero cartoon of all time with the Fleischer run back in the 40s. Pretty popular this day. He's also been pretty much, uh, some people argue because of him, creator rights in comic books never would have came around, but because of all the things that Seigel and Schuster went through, you know, it's because of him there are more credit and more... uh, monetary gain creators get from their creations even though the marvel guys still kind of get it <laughs> getting it st- stuck to them nowadays getting the screws put when their stuff is in movies making billions of dollars well yeah i mean yeah i'm not sure how all of the uh like rights and whatnot go to these people that get created i'm sure they sign some sort of contracts or whatever when they join these companies but yeah i'm sure back in the day it was definitely a lot more of the wild wild west because there weren't so many copyright laws and different things like that well, plus people didn't think they they were going to lend to other mediums and make all kinds of money. Right. I'm sure they didn't realize how big or popular these things were going to become. Now, to put it in perspective, supposedly Neil Adams said he was paid $100,000 for Ra's al Ghul appearing in Batman Begins, but Ed Brubaker says he was paid $5,000 for Winter Soldier appearing <laughs> in <sighs> Captain America too. Jeez, Louise. I, I didn't know either one of those things. That's crazy. We're going to go over that a little bit uh so they had signed the rights over to Detective Comics, which would become DC Comics. And uh, they ended up uh, suing in 1947 DC for the rights, which might not have came about, but when went, one of them, I believe it was uh, Jerry Seigel was uh, serving his duty during the war that they created Superboy off an idea that he had created. And that's what I think led to that lawsuit. Oh, the, wow. the judges did rule that DC Comics did own Superman. They had signed it away, but that he actually owned the rights to Superboy because they was based on an idea he created that he never signed off the rights to Superboy to them. Um, Interesting. And they settled out of court for the some, I believe it was in uh, the 50s, they settled out of court for $94,000 a piece approximately. That's a, which is a little, solid chunk of change for, for the 50s. For the 50s, yeah. Once they got that uh, settlement, DC Comics immediately fired both of them. <laughs> that doesn't sound right at all. They filed again in 65 and uh, didn't win the case either. And then uh, in the 70s, uh, a lot of the comic writers got together to try and fight more for rights. Neil Adams is one of the ones that supposedly spearheaded it a lot. And finally, I believe it was in 1975, they agreed, they signed a deal that 
Seigel and Schuster would get a yearly stipend, medical benefits, and creator credit going forward. So that's why if you notice video games, TV shows, you always see Superman created by Jerry Geisel no, and cool. Joe Schuster. So there's been a big debate on whether or not they got screwed. They got paid decently, but it's the old case of nothing compared to what they would have made if you know they'd been getting the rights all along. Yeah. Oh, right. 1975. That was the year you graduated high school, wasn't it? <laughs> Is this where we're going to do the whole episode? <laughs> I mean, it, I'm glad that, and I don't know how these types of things were fought in other mediums or if, if these guys were setting precedents across a, a lot of uh, multimedia, but... That type of thing is, is, to me, is great. If you come up with creations and you have ideas and things, you should be uh, given credit for you know things that you come up with and, and make. At least they got credit when they were alive. Bill Finger died and didn't get credit for a co-created Batman until literally like 30 years after his death. But Superman, once comics, once the superhero genre started to plummet in the 50s, Superman was one of the few comic characters that remained consistent. Him, Wonder Woman, Batman... Still were regularly being published in the 50s. And were part of the Silver Age when the comic, superhero comics came back in a big way. His popularity, you know, lasted for decades. You know, he was, again, he is the epitome of superheroes. And he should be at the top of everybody's list. I agree. I've never bought into the argument that he's too powerful, so it's too difficult to write him correctly. He's, he's too powerful. He's too good. He's a white knight. Like, enough, people. There's no such thing as, you know... Someone being too nice, too good, you know, too much of a goody two shoes type of thing to be relatable, unrelatable. Like he's a superhero. Like they're all unrelatable. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's technically true. And there's been so many uh, arguments over the symbolism of Superman. Everything from a a uh, metaphor for the immigration movement of the uh, of the early 20th century to Jesus symbolism to fascism to you name it. Superman's been pegged this at one point in time and is. 80 some odd year history. Yeah. Uh, just people people are able to relate one thing to just about anything, like if they want to. So it's just, he's Superman. He's a comic book character. And that's it to me, really, you know? And a fascinating bit. In 2033, Superman is going into public domain. So that whole thing is crazy the, to think about. The whole public domain thing is weird. Mickey Mouse is up soon, right? It, yeah, it's Mickey like, Mouse, Batman, The Phantom, The Shadow, Superman, Doc Savage. These are all characters in the next. 10 years that are all going into public when domain. When people go into public, or people, when characters and stuff go into public domain, it's really, you start to see weird things. Like, what's that, those couple Winnie the Pooh movies that just came out <laughs> recently or are coming out? Like, it's just different things. It's like, it's wild to think about. Also, um, he's had many writers, many classic people wrote on him. Uh, it's hard to pin down because he's been updated and changed for the decades. Do you have a favorite run or a favorite comic story or favorite piece of media that you uh, associate with superman so one of the favorite comic books that i ever go to i think it was action comics 775 big thing on the cover is what is so wrong about truth justice in the american way and that episode that episode that issue it had like a team that was like similar to the authority um like the elite because they were like the super hot popular thing at the time where they were as powerful as a lot of members of the Justice League, but they were like an off-brand comic. And everybody like loved them because they were so edgy and they were killing people and this and that. And this was kind of like a, a play off of they were becoming so popular and, and, and the big thing in town and Superman was still there like doing things that were right and the way things were supposed to be. And like, like what's so wrong about the way that he does things? And, and it was a really, really, really well-written story. Mine are kind of hard. I mean, I always fall back on I love the original... Uh... Superman film with Christopher Reeve. Probably for the man who has everything is one of my favorite stories that Alan Moore and Dave Gibbon did where Mongol had created an alternate reality where Krypton had never blew up, which is a great story. And then I always loved Crisis of the Crimson Kryptonite. It was pre-crisis the first time they brought Red Kryptonite back where Superman lost his powers. It's just a great story of showing the character and the heroism of Superman and how he deals with He's still Superman even without his powers. Right. There's also the uh, the Elseworlds tale, uh, Red Sun. Yeah. That, that was. was uh, I've seen the movie, but I've not actually read the comic. And I've done the opposite. I've I've, I've read the comic, but I haven't seen the movie. It was very enjoyable. I mean, they we could go on and on. Obviously, there's the death of Superman, uh, 
There was Panic in the Sky was a big story. Everybody loved. Think about how crazily popular the death of Superman storyline was. And national news. Yes, <laughs> national news. Like mainstream media attention. Like it was wild. Before we get into the uh, animation part of our show, I wanted to bring up reaching, well, fairly recent, uh, in the last couple of years controversy, where Superman gave up his secret identity he, in the comic books. He gave up being Clark Kent. This was the work of the once great, now fallen Brian Michael Bendis' idea, where he is, I believe they're retconning it now, but... I had no idea. I, I'm so out of touch when it comes to the comic books and the current stuff, and I loved so much of Bendis' work. Uh, it's kind of crazy to hear. Part of Superman's charm is the fact that he kind of created, well, he didn't create it, but he continued to keep up with the whole Clark Kent persona as a way to like relate more rather than most other characters or regular people first and then superheroes second. Like it, Superman's kind of the opposite. Yeah, he wanted to live a normal life, but he knew he had a responsibility to be Superman. Right. So, back in uh, 1941, the Flesher cartoons are the first ever superhero cartoons for Superman, for superheroes of all time. But we're going to go to the late 60s for the new adventures of Superman. Now, uh, we were discussing what Superman to talk about. You never, before this episode, you've never actually seen this cartoon. Eh? No. Uh, well, unless they continued like this, the beginning of this Elsewhere, like, because obviously you know the more powerful and uh, yeah, more powerful than the locomotive, the locomotive than the yeah. Like, and I was like, thought that was awesome, like the way that started out, but yeah, no, I had never seen uh, any of this. And it's so weird to me to look back at like the old animation or, or and things and see how not muscular at all Superman was drawn. <laughs> yeah, if you look at the old comics and even like the old George Reeves Superman, like, he never looked that strong or that muscular. That's and in, in that sense, that's why Christopher Reeves was perfect. Yeah, I agree. I would say it wasn't really until the late seventies, eighties they started drawing him like looking all jacked. In the sixties, the Silver Age happened. Superheroes came back in a big way. So then the other media's saw the potential. The uh, they had the Marvel cartoons. Uh, they were pretty piss poor. They were pretty much uh, <laughs> motion comic books almost. Um, so DC was going to do the same. Filmation Studios. This was the very first Filmation Studios production. Um, really? If you're not familiar with Filmation, the great Lou Scheimer had, uh, they would go on to do Fat Albert. They would go on to do He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. They did Star Trek cartoon. They, they would do other DC characters. I don't think I knew there was a Star Trek cartoon. Early 70s. It was uh, after the show had gone off the air. Oh, yeah. This is the first thing they did. Supposedly, they had to kind of uh, hoodwink uh, DC into letting him do this. Like, I heard a story of Lou Scheimer having a bunch of people he knew showing up at to convince them that Filmation was more than it was. Because at that point, they really weren't anything. They hadn't done anything. So, in 1966, the new Adventures of Superman, for the first time in over 20 years, appearing in animation form. That's awesome. Especially... Back in those days when there weren't a ton of things on television, like this had to be almost like, I don't want to say like event television, but there's not going to be that many stations, not going to be nearly as many options as there are now. Like, So the amount of people that probably watched this week to week was, was probably a lot. Yeah, I was on CBS Saturday mornings back when Saturday morning cartoons were, were still special where you could that was the only time you could see them. And this was a first because... This is the first time some actual DC comic book writers had actually worked on the show as well. And Mort Weisinger, who was DC's publisher, and he had co-created like Aquaman and Green Arrow and other characters. He uh, was a story editor and co-wrote some of the episodes. I mean, technically those Marvel cartoons, I guess you would have to kind of credit them because they're pretty much just the comic books to a T. Yeah, they weren't like uh, original stories and whatnot. So there's a lot of people. I believe Arnold Drake had worked in this and well. This is a first because... Uh, this cartoon had the first ever in animation form Jimmy Olsen, Lex Luthor, Mr. Mixelplick, Brainiac, <laughs> the Toy Man. Uh, I don't think Perry White. I think he was on the Flesher. But, uh, so this is the first, if you weren't a comic reader, this is the first the general public got exposed to a lot of these classic Superman characters. Yeah, you get into more of the uh, lore of uh, all of his surroundings and stuff rather than just 
Superman Lois Lane type of thing? Obviously, Superman Lois Lane again. Uh, you couldn't have Lois Lane, in my opinion. Lois Lane, without a doubt, is one of the three most... Well, in DC, she's one of the three most important female characters of all time. I would argue in comic book history, she's probably one of the three most important female characters of all time. Why do you say that? Well, I mean, when you think about comics, you think about the impact they've had on cop culture and that medium. I, I think of Wonder Woman, Lois Lane, Harley Quinn, maybe Storm. I mean, she's uh, she's Americana. She's a part of American pop culture. Like, oh, yeah, I can see that. So it was good to have her back as well. And I've always liked Lois Lane. I thought the character was ahead of her time because I don't know about much now, but they did a good balance before. It was like the hip thing to do of making her a balance between the damsel in distress, but the spunky girl didn't take any shit and took yeah, care of yeah. business herself. No, she was still like, she got herself in trouble by kind of crossing the line and trying to want to do her own thing and going to get that story no matter what it took. Clark Kent could never talk her out of doing it, you know? She would blow him off, brush him off every time. Of course. So we're going to go back to December 31st, 1966. The New Adventures of Superman, the episode... Superman meets Brainiac. Now, I wanted to do this episode specifically because of Brainiac, even though I'm not a huge fan, but I find it fascinating. Like, he is always the go to villain proposed for a Superman movie. Every time there's a new Superman project, Brainiac, Brainiac, Brainiac is what I hear every now, time. Now, is that people in the industry saying that, or is that like fanboys and stuff saying, oh, we should do Brainiac? I'd say it's a little of both because, uh, in the supposedly in the Superman Lives script, Kevin Smith had written in the '90s. Originally, Brainiac <laughs> back was the villain. I've heard rumors when Henry Cavell was pitching ideas for Man of Steel two. I had heard Brainiac was his uh, his choice. Now I agree that it's the type of character that should be used at some point in time, but only because he never has been really. He showed up in Smallville. There was a weird version. He showed up on this cartoon and the uh, Super Friends cartoon. Uh, I don't know if he ever showed up on the 80s Superboy cartoon. Oh, he did show up, I think, on Lois and Clark, if I remember correctly. Yeah. He's never really been done properly in any live action form. Yeah. Uh, He's never really been in any of the movies either. It's like like really what I was getting at. I don't care about Smallville or Lois and Clark or whatever the new one is now. Like, movies. He was created uh, and made his first appearance in Action Comics 242 back in 1958, created by Otto Binder and Al Plastino. Um, I always liked the character. He was one of the Superman rogues. I think he got better with time. I I think he was kind of undeveloped and undecided what they want to do with him. And let's face it, his original look is is, is charming in a Silver Age way, but it's (laughs) terrible. Yeah, very different than what he uh, looked like in later years. just, yeah, kind of simple, like, alien looking, I guess. I think maybe the go-to, it is a lot of fanboy casting as well, but I think also it's because you look at Superman's rogues gallery, you're not really going to do a toy man as a main villain. You could do Mixelplex, but he doesn't lend himself to a very first Superman movie, so... I don't think Brainiac does either. That's That's part of the problem, I think. But yeah, it's like, if you don't have a good rogues gallery, a lot of good solid villains, it's going to be kind of hard to come up with something like that. Especially for a guy like Superman, because again, everyone says he's too powerful, so you got to come up with somebody that you know can work for him to fight, blah blah blah, type of thing. Like, so uh, this episode was written by uh, Oscar Bensall, and uh, it was di- directed by Hal Sutherland and Tol Kirsanoff. Um, Your pronunciation is impeccable. Yeah. <laughs> They don't sell these phonetically when I look them up, so uh, it's uh, not always best to sign. Uh, Superman, now this is pretty fascinating. Uh, Bud Collier is the voice of Superman, and this is cool because he had done the original radio show Superman's voice. Nice. Uh, I believe he was also the voice of Superman in the Fleischer cartoon. Nice. So it was great to see him come back, and uh, he also was a famous game show host. He had hosted uh, To Tell the Truth. As a, oh, okay. Um, and a few other guys. He was actually considered the first celebrity game show host. Really? Like, you know, where people knew that person and associated them with a wow. game show. He's no Chuck Woolery, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, Lois Lane, who uh, also was created by Jerry Guy- Seigel and Joel Schuster. 
Uh, she was voiced by Joan Alexander, who also had done the voice of Lois Lane on the original radio show and the Fleischer cartoon. Nice, so I like it. I think that's a great touch to get them both back together. The chemistry was impeccable. It, it, it <laughs> usually is, most of the time. Uh, I can't think of too many bad examples. Uh, I might have to rewatch the Lo- Adventures of Lois and Clark and see if Terry Hatcher and Dean Cain had uh, chemistry or not. And then uh, Cliff Owens is the voice of uh, Brainiac. Brainiac. He had voiced uh, The Flash in the Filmation Flash cartoons. Uh, he had also, in the 60s, he dubbed the English dub of the Astro Boy cartoon. He did those as well. Oh, all right. And also, back then, The New Adventures of Superman, it ran from 1966 to 1969. Uh, it had changed titles over the course of the four years. Every season, they changed the name of it. Makes sense. Um, well, because they kind of changed the format a little. So then it became, after the new adventure of Superman, the Superman-Aquaman Hour of Adventure. Oh. And then it became the Batman-Superman Hour. And then uh, I believe it was just back to Super Friends at the very end. Superman trying, Superman. To give the, Superman trying to give the rub to these lesser comics. Back then, they would do two short episodes. Uh, this one was Superman meets Brainiac and Seeds of Doom, but we're just going to do Superman meets Brainiac. And interesting enough, this was canceled with a lot of other cartoons because parents' rights groups were very upset about the violence in cartoons and that was creeping into the late 60s. So as a result, all the superhero cartoons, Johnny Quest, some of the Space Ghost type things, a lot of those uh, had to get canceled because they were too violent. Superman was throwing too many punches. That's crazy. They really, w- I mean, I guess there was violence for the, the 60s, but it wasn't really violence. Like, So on that note... We're going to take a break and we're going to watch Superman meets Brainiac. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We'll be right back for another exciting adventure with Superman. You sign a lot of autographs? Oh, yeah, you? Some, they asked me to bend stuff a lot. I can see that. What? It's Lois, she's in trouble. Did you look through that building? Well, kind of, it's glass. Lois! Superman, I've forgotten my wallet. I can't carry money in this, I'm powerless. I'm not. My hero. You can do more with the American Express card. Could you? For my kid. Guess who's flying in to join the massive lineup of dramas on 7 Plus? Well, let me help you. Lois and Clark. I like it. With Terry Hatcher and Dean Kane. Superman. All the loved up, super fighting, fast flying, explosive awesomeness you need is where? Oh, A Plus. No, not A Plus. Will you pay attention? That's right, it's on 7 Plus. I can't believe that. Lois and Clark join our massive lineup. Discover something new for free on 7 Plus. Superman! Uh Uh-oh, sounds like Lisa and Scott are trapped in the icy cave of that frosty-faced felon, Captain Cold. This is a job for Superman. My fast freeze zapper will freeze Superman forever. No way, Captain. Dear kids, my new Superman hot cocoa mix is the super-tasting way to warm up. And see, Captain Cold can't take this warm reception. New Superman hot cocoa, the super-tasting way to warm up. Meanwhile, behind the facade of this innocent-looking podcast... Faster than a speeding bullet! More powerful than a locomotive! Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman marketed to Earth as an infant when the distant planet Krypton exploded. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, by a planet reporter for the Daily Planet, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and freedom with superpowers far beyond those of ordinary mortals. It's Superman, Superman, Superman. And we are back. Shall we 
just watched the new adventures of Superman. Superman meets Brainiac. That's a great intro, I gotta say. I loved the intro, but I was kind of weirded out a little bit that um, truth, justice, and freedom. Yeah, no, it's because uh, first they do. If you haven't watched it, they go uh, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive. Was it before that they started off with the um, oh? Born on Krypton, and before no, it exploded, they, they so that, was, that, that was right afterwards. That later, and they do, up in the sky, look, it's a bird. <laughs> it's a plane. <laughs> and then they did the truth, justice, and freedom, which threw me off a little bit. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Isn't that what it is now? Now it's truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. Oh, okay. And you want to start a shitstorm on Twitter? Say you like one better than the other, and, <laughs> and the other side will lose their minds. <laughs> Yeah, so I was uh, a little taken aback. I had to rewind it for a second. I was like, what the heck? Oh, okay, all right. Which is odd to me because to me, it's just a preference thing. You, you like one better than the other. I, I don't care. But I can't imagine too many scenarios where it really comes up in everyday conversation. Superman saying that he's for truth, justice, the American way, or truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. <laughs> right, yeah. Does he really say that that often in conversation? <laughs> I can't see Superman having a lot of regular conversations with people in general. And on that note, Superman is also Superman, Captain America, a few others, but uh, they're one of the few guys that can constantly get away with big, heroic, inspiring speeches and almost never come off corny, as long as they have a good writer. Right, yeah. In fact, I almost, in animation especially, I, I look forward to the big speech. I know it's coming. In fact, I was not a huge, little off topic, Chris Evans fan. He's fine as Captain America, but... I will say, I always think he knocks it out of the park when he has to give one of those classic Captain America speeches in the movies. The, the World War II ones? Yeah, where he gives the World War II one, or he gives the, an endgame, he gives the fight of our lives speech. And oh, yeah. It's stuff like that. I think he always did nail it out of the park. He's killing it. And when he gave his speech in Winter Soldier about uh, over the mics, trying to get the members of S.H.I.E.L.D. to side with him against Hydra. Yep. Anyway, and also, like you had mentioned, they do do the origin of Superman. And so there's a lot going on in these credits. You got the... Up in the sky, you got Fastman Speeding Bullet, you got the origin. Yeah, they tossed a lot out there right at the beginning. Um, if you had somehow had never seen or heard of Superman, you would know everything about him in the first like minute. I like also how, uh, I don't think his costume's even tweaked. I mean, they they, they kept it as uh, pretty much exactly what it, well, more the Silver Age design, you know, tweaked from the original comic, but the comics had already tweaked that in the Silver Age anyway. Yep, yeah, just the plain S and the regular old... Uh... Blue and red. We open in the big top circus. <laughs> this was so <laughs> weird to me. A capacity crowd. I don't know if you heard that or not. <laughs> I assume they meant in the tent itself, because clearly there was not a capacity crowd. Now, so that like news reporter or whatever, was he talking just to us? Or was yeah. it supposed to be like a... No, that was, uh, there's a narrator on uh, all the episodes. Oh, okay. But you notice, and we're going to get, spoiler alert, we're going to get a little ourselves. They're, they really don't want you to miss anything. If Lois isn't explaining what's going on, the narrator's explaining it, or Superman's explaining it. Superman explained a lot of things, which was really weird. Find out this, this circus is sponsored by the Daily Planet. <laughs> yes, it is. For the Metropolis Orphanage. So, uh, doing a whole lot of good there. I mean, that, I think that's the only reason Superman would appear at a circus is because it's doing good for an orphanage. And not for nothing. I know he's uh, his, he's got good intentions, but once you've seen Superman at the circus, or like the clown or the the, <laughs> the lion tamer, really all that exciting? The feats of strength. It was like Festivus there. If <laughs> <laughs> you open, Superman's lifting an elephant in each hand. In one of his many public appearances. <laughs> and uh, Lois is broadcasting it all on her portable transmitter. Yes, she is. She gives a little plug for the Daily Planet and uh, really doing uh, some running commentating on what's going on. And Superman... Can you imagine a news report on the circus? <laughs> wow, that's... that's uh, every day I can't turn on YouTube or social media or the news without hearing about a circus. Although I did get an ad in my newsfeed today that Ringling Brothers is, is coming back around, so maybe uh, it could just be because Facebook is creepy and listens to everything, and I happen to watch this episode, but... Uh, is that, that's still a thing, Ringling Brothers? It's coming. It's like returning, yeah, so... Uh, the next up, the main event, 
Superman was supposed to wrestle two gorillas. <laughs> like, my goodness. When I heard that, I was like, why? What could... Th- yeah, all right. Now, if you're, if you're at all familiar with the Silver Age, even into the 70s, comic books had a weird obsession with gorillas. I don't know what was going <laughs> on, but they loved gorillas. You don't love gorillas? When you go to Animal Kingdom, how long do you spend at the gorillas? <laughs> I, I do like gorillas, but it's like they had Grodd, Titano, Gorilla Boss. They had the wannabes had a sidekick. Red Ghost and the Super Apes. They just really had a thing for monkeys and gorillas. What did Wes Craven say in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back? You know, our, our market research says people love monkeys. <laughs> yes. But we find out it's been canceled. Yeah, the... Uh... What was it? The ringmaster, ringleader. Yeah, the ring. I think it's the ring, ringmaster. I think. Right. Is what yeah. The, yeah. The ringmaster, uh, Steve Austin, walks out there, <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, sorry, folks. The gorillas cannot be found. Like, wouldn't that put terror into everybody in the in the circus?" I would think so. And Lois is like on the thing, like, "Ah, oh, no big deal." And uh, make sure you uh, keep on uh, listening to the Daily Planet. No, what she said, this I because I wrote three lines down here. The first was True Justice and Freedom, and then this one. The Daily Planet news program at five. <laughs> they were going to give an update on the gorillas. On the missing gorillas. I didn't know there was a Daily Planet news program at five. Yeah, that is weird because they didn't update Superman working for a television show until the 70s, so that was predating that happening. So, yeah, I guess the Daily Planet has their own... News show? <laughs> the ringmaster, him and Superman talk on the side, and apparently those gorillas have uh, have disappeared. And uh, you find out that uh, multiple animals have been missing. I believe two giraffes and uh, I believe a camel, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they, he, they named a couple of different animals, yeah. Was Lois eavesdropping of that? Or did she... Was she, she was hunting for the story. She wanted to find out what was going on with these animals on her own. This was a great exchange because, I mean, he... The ringmaster... <laughs> Six of his animals has disappeared, and he says, I smell a rat. <laughs> Which Lois says, I smell a story. <laughs> Who she's talking to, I'm not really sure, because she was all by herself at that point. Just talking to herself out loud, no big deal. She's excited. And we switch to uh, Brainiac. Our first appearance of him, he comes up behind two elephants, which uh, Lois... Uh, Witnesses the whole thing. I'm assuming they're the two elephants that uh, Superman was just lifting. I'm going to guess that. He shrinks them. He uses a shrink ray. (laughs) When Superman comes up, Lois explains everything to Superman, like what just happened and what's happening right in front of Superman's face. (laughs) And while they're talking, Brainiac's just walking like back and forth behind them, right? He's got him in a little glass case, the the shrunken elephants, and walking him off, and which Lois says, and now he's walking away with them. (laughs) Really odd. They confront him, which Superman tries to punch him, but he has an impenetrable force field, which he does explain that he has a force field that cannot be penetrated. Yes. Yes, he... So weird. Such a weird thing. Brainiac's costume design is identical to the comic, except it's more of a purple than a pink in this one. All right. But he's still green with the things on his head. He's got, he's got the wrestling trunks. You know, he's got the boots, but it's more purple than pink. They really love that trunks and boots look. Uh, yes, yes, they certainly do. He ends up shrinking both Lois and Superman as well. He is going to take some uh, humans. Yep, he's gonna, he has to get two of every animal, including a man and a woman, he says. And then he, uh, he takes them onto his... Now, here's the part that's a little baffling. I know it's a cartoon and all, but he shrunk Superman, but Superman still has all his powers. He's still right. super strong. Oh, yeah. Speed, heat vision, the whole Megillah. Why does he just let himself get captured by Brainiac? The whole thing was really weird to me because he shrinks them both down, puts them in the same little thing where the elephants are. Wouldn't Lois... Good chance of being trampled by a couple of elephants in there. And on his ship, he puts them in a little like bookcase where he's got everything stored. And I don't know why this even need to be in there, but they're next to the gorillas. And Lois like, those must be the two gorillas you were supposed to wrestle. She starts describing every animal that she can see. Next to them is the camels. Next to that is this. It gets really bizarre to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're on an alien ship. Brainiac tells his whole backstory how... Now, this is different than what people are most used for. Uh, 
Even though Brainiac was not originally from Krypton, that's something they retconned later. But here he was from the, was it the planet Mega? That's what it said. Yeah, like that's what I thought saying. it was. Created by a human called Professor Heckler. So it's from this alien planet that has humans on it that was wiped out apparently by an atomic war. Well, Superman knew, knew all of whoa. He's like, that's a, there's, there's no life on there's that no planet. There's no life on that planet uh, ever since the atomic war they had. Like, Superman was like just busting out facts about this random planet. And uh, he's, he built him to repopulate the planet, specifically with animals from Earth, I guess, because I guess they have the exact same ecosystem and atmosphere. <laughs> so that was a little strange. At this point, Superman finally decides, uh, you know, it's worth his time to break out of the glass box that he's held in. Yeah, he's like, well, Lois, I may have been shrunk, but I still have all my superpowers. Maybe he had to find out what was going on, so... He captured himself willingly. He uh, uses his X-ray vision to look into the brain. Well, the head, really, of yes. Brainiac. Because Brainiac said he's a computer. He's not a person. Yeah. And again, Superman, apparently some sort of genius, understands exactly what's going on up there. I got to say, for uh, an alien robot created on a distant planet who's smart enough to fly there, I do all this stuff. His, his, the technology of his brain looked pretty damn primitive. <laughs> yeah, it, was just, it really wasn't much going on up there at all. He tells Lois to uh, take care of it to turn her portable transmitter to high frequency to jam the circuits. Oh, yeah. That's all it's going to take. Take out Brainiac. An old primitive radio. <laughs> so here's this. Super advanced living computer and some piece of crap technology from Earth is enough to just jam the signal. He has a great face, though, when it happens. Like, his eyes go, like, huge, and he, like, looks stunned. I'm sure there were no radio frequencies, anything like that, when he was on Earth. Well, none were, were jammed up the, high, the highest frequency. Oh, so. true. Okay. So there's that. He gets the, the ray gun. So he can, you know, put himself back to normal, you know, so I guess, you know, Superman can also figure out how to reverse it. Reverse it and put a timer on it so that he could pull the trigger and then walk out in front of it so him and Lois can uh, get put up to regular size. Well, he is he is super fast. He is Superman after all. That's true. Brainiac turns invisible during all this. Which he had done earlier. <laughs> That's right. He originally did turn invisible, when, which I don't know what was the point of that exactly because you see the door open so it's like obvious he's walking yeah, it was like he turned invisible but the door opens and he just like, goes out <laughs> and they get out of there after they regrow he's going to get her back to normal but then he looks back at the ship and it blows up I guess Brainiac just self-destructed it he couldn't have any evidence so all those animals died I assume <laughs> I guess because they never show Superman freeing the gorillas the elephants the giraffes the camels and I guess, I hope it wasn't important to repopulate Planet Mega because this guy was their only hope. Yeah, he gave up on that uh, plan awfully quick. So, I mean, that's implied, I guess, the end of Brainiac, even though I know he's on other episodes. There was one other thing here that Superman says, right? He's going to go talk to the space scientists and let them know. <laughs> he was going to talk to the space scientists to let them know what's going on. <laughs> And we we switch to the Daily Planet where uh, Lois says that uh, she beat the great Clark Kent to another story, <laughs> which has been kind of a running gag over the years. Of sometimes Lois beats him, and she seems to take great pride in that. I know in the retcon in the when they did Crisis and they rebooted him the first time, the whole thing is when she first met Clark Kent, he beat her to the story of Superman. So I've always loved the gag of. Them beating each other for stories. And Lois, really gleeful when she does it to Clark. Oh, yeah. Very competitive, that Lois. Then Clark says, uh, geez, Lois, you don't have to make me feel small again. And he winks <laughs> to the camera. Which was a theme where every episode, I think, on this Superman yes. did wink to the camera. Yeah, right at the end. And as he winks to the camera, there we go. That was the end of Superman meets Brainiac. Yeah. <laughs> Something else. Great way to end it, though. I have to... A little pun. 
I do love uh, <laughs> a little <laughs> pun. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of uh, the mediums over the years. Superman is uh, winked to the camera. Even uh, Jerry Seinfeld did it. You know, when uh, <laughs> on that episode where he met Lois, he said, "Maybe I will." Lois turned to the camera and winked. <laughs> there you have it, though. The new adventures of Superman. Superman meets Brainiacs. Brian, first impressions. Fun, but can't like. It was very campy, but it wasn't intended to be campy back then. You know, that's like kind of the way that it is. Um, it was enjoyable, but it was just like ridiculous at the same time. Like, I don't want to use the word dated because a lot of times dated is used a derogatory tournament. But tournament, did I just say you did derogatory term? term but watching this, there are definitely you think. Silver Age, you think 60s, a lot of this as you witness it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was just, for the time, like, it was great. Like, it was just, it was fun, clean, good, wholesome. But, yeah, some corny, corny stuff in there. It definitely, uh, well, I'll say this, even though it certainly had its faults, it definitely made me want to watch more of it. I'll say that. Well, that episode that aired after it was even way more corny than uh, <laughs> this one was. Yeah, the seeds of doom. I don't even remember. I know there were plants taken over the world, but did they ever even explain? I don't even remember them explaining. I don't think they explained what it was, no. And then he just borrowed <laughs> a giant <laughs> magnifying glass or whatever it was, <laughs> went up into outer space, used the sun and his heat vision to kill all of those plants. <laughs> Didn't kill any of the other plants that are <laughs> on, on the, the the plants that cover the globe. Just those specific plants. Yep. I think uh, uh, the violence aspect. I mean, on this particular episode, uh, other than punching through the glass, I don't think it was all that violent. No, it was. It wasn't any sort of like fight or or anything along those lines. Like, yeah, definitely nothing that would warrant any sort of. E- even for the time, I don't think there would be anything that would warrant any sort of like outrage. On that note, we're going over our ranking system. We're going to the spectrometer. Anyone new to the show? Spectrometer is where we rank what we saw. Zero spectros being absolute garbage. Four spectros being it just doesn't get any better. Brian, what do you think you're going to rank? Superman meets Brainiac. Zero to four. Uh, this was a two for me. It, it wasn't like amazing... It wasn't like, yeah, I, again, you have to place yourself in that time. If it were, if I was in that time, it'd probably be a three. Uh, but watching it now, um, there's really just like a nostalgia factor. Uh, it was fun. I, I give it a two. All right, I'm going to go about the same. I'm going to go two and a half, a little bit more. Wow, I didn't know we could do halves. You can do halves. Do you want to reevaluate? No, you, no. Uh, I, I'm sticking with my sticking original. <laughs> um, fun, definitely enjoyable, definitely entertaining. It's Superman, so I automatically get some points. I like that Brainiac's on it, and he's like the comic book. Pet peeve my whole life, even as a kid, is when things from the comic book appeared in live action or cartoons, and they were completely changed. I like that. Obviously, the negatives, the animation is a little rushed, a little sloppy. Product of its time, and some of it's a little bit dated. I could probably use a little less of being told Every, Every single, thing. single thing. So even though you're watching it, it needs to be explained to you what you're watching on top of that? Yeah, that was a persistent problem well into the 80s with the Super Friends and Spider-Man and his amazing friends, but they still had a habit of telling you what they were doing right in front of your face. <laughs> Gotta let you know, brother. Would you watch uh, more of this? Yeah, I would. I wouldn't pay $2 for another episode. Sorry, it was on Amazon Prime. It was uh, it's this not man. Easy to track down. This man was like, "All right, you know, it's a two dollar episode. I'll reimburse you the funds." He comes, shows up to my house. Yeah, I don't really have the money today. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have the money. I don't have any small bills. Yeah, not this, that I, Listen to this guy. My audience doesn't need to know the wheelings of dealings <laughs> that, that make this podcast happen. What did you think out there? Did you like Superman and meets Brainiac more than me and Brian? Did you like it less? Whatever you thought about it, that's okay. We're just two guys talking cartoons, talking comic books, sharing our opinion. Our opinion is not any more valuable or less valuable than yours. Don't get upset if you disagree with us. But I do want to hear from you. You can go to my social media. Tell me what you thought. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Spectro. Follow me while you're there. Facebook, you can find me on uh, Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Follow me there as well. 
You can even follow me on Hive. I'm on Hive now. What the hell is that? Matt Spectro, all lowercase letters. What the hell is Hive? It's this Twitter knockoff that kind of sprung up when Elon Musk bought Twitter where everybody was trying to create an alternative because they thought that'd be the mass uh, exodus. From, it's pretty much bargain basement Twitter. Oh, uh, okay. Not a lot of act. <laughs> Not a lot. No offense to anyone if uh, Hive is your favorite. Uh, <laughs> but I don't find there's a lot of activity going on there. Supposedly there's a hundred thousand people that use this, but uh, I feel like I, f- I see like three people in my feed. Hundred thousand isn't a lot in the grand scheme of things, no. especially when it comes to like social media. That is true. Brian, I want to thank you uh, for joining us. Maybe uh, next time we don't wait a whole year to have you come back. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe. I like being a very, very, very special, rare guest. Special attraction, if you will. <laughs> yes. It's like one night only, as they say. Um, you uh, have a uh, Superman uh, medium that is not comic books, a favorite movie, television show, animation. Superman 2 will always be like what sticks out in my mind the most. The whole fight in... Uh, Metropolis. I was gonna say New York, but the fight in Metropolis with Zod and and them sticks out in my mind a lot from when I was a kid. Like the whole being thrown into the Marlboro truck, um, Coca Cola. Yeah, the Coca Cola sign. Uh, them blowing the wind at everybody. Like like th- that that type of stuff really really sticks out a lot in my mind um, from being a child. And it, it it's it's actually a solid film. Like still, I uh, love Superman one and two. Especially compared to what we would get in the next two installments. Uh, I just watched something on Superman 4 the other day on YouTube, and holy cow, it's even like worse than you like remember. And there's like a bunch of deleted scenes, I guess, where there was another villain in it. If you uh, read the, the DC comic adaption, they go off the script, not the finished product. And I read that, and I was like, what the hell's going on? There's all this stuff that never happened in the movie. Yeah, pretty wild. But the yeah. thing about that, when I was a kid, I watched it. I was like, what's the big deal? Why is everyone making this out to be such a bad movie? This isn't so bad. <laughs> and then I watched it again as an adult, and I was like, holy shit, what the hell was I thinking? It goes to show sometimes a kid is easily impressed. Right. Tarzan got a time machine and went back to when he was a kid and showed him this movie. <laughs> Maybe I did. But... <laughs> Comic books and superheroes are for all ages, my friend. Usually this is the part where I allow free plug time, uh, but I don't know if you really have anything you want to plug at this Nope. I just work and then sit around my house, pretty much. Social media? I have like a personal Facebook page, like pretty much just for friends and family. That's about it. So. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. I want to thank everyone out there for joining us as well. If you could also uh, subscribe to my podcast, give it a five-star review. I really appreciate it. If you have any ideas for guests or episodes. Let me know. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you again next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectre Through the Multiverse.